Daniel, it is my favorite Aww. show today. It is Food Story Show. The monthly Food Stories Show. Monthly Food Story Show. Why don't show. you explain to the people what the Food Story Show is? It is when we talk about the most interesting stories in the world of food for the month of March. Yeah, what a good way to, uh, if you're, you know, to, to, to gather all the information you need about the month in one quick, easy podcast listening session. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I mean, well, Can I, I do better say, than that? T- well, I guess I didn't really say anything we, new there, but we focus it <laughs> oftentimes on the more dramatic of stories. Says you. So if you want to just get the full rundown of what you're missing, read eater.com. Read or my newsletter or, or um, both or the Amanda I mean, Clute newsletter. Read it all. Yeah. Really. Who are we? I am Amanda Clute, <laughs> editor in chief of Eater. You are God knows your title, Daniel Janine. Some kind of producer. Some kind of producer. Cool. Uh, well, first first thing I want to talk to you about really briefly. Okay. I have a question for you, and that question is about sharing food and how you feel about oh, sharing really? food. Oh, really? Are we talking about I think stem- we should. So on, nor- Friday, on Friday, I was kind enough to get you a lunch. Yes. I think I still owe you Venmo. Okay. Pro- maybe. That's not why I was bringing it up, yep. but I was kind enough to bring you a lunch because, you know, I like going out to grab my lunch. I mm-hmm. tend to offer you lunch. Yep. You're very generous. I, thanks. I bring you. I bring you a salad. It wasn't up to your standards. I did not like it. It was a little bitter for you. It was very bitter for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you offered me the rest of it, which was I truthfully I ate, was excited about. It was I a ate shrimp. All of the shrimp out of it. Yeah. And there was a lot of shrimp. Grapefruit, and then I gave you the pile of bitter greens. Yeah. I think you messaged me. Do you want a pile of bitter leaves? <laughs> and I said, Hell yeah! So I took them, uh, and then you know, flash forward. Flash forward, that works, till Monday. And then you said, How'd you feel this weekend? And I said, Funny you should ask. Not so great. Mm. Why and why? Well, (laughs) we go to the solid moment. Rewind 24 hours. Just went forward. I know. We're rewinding. Oh my God. I uh, woke up to my kid puking. Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was all fine. He puked a few times. Can I ask a kid question? Yeah. You woke up to the sound of him puking, or did yeah. you hear, hey, mom, I'm ill? No, 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 just like- You woke up to bleh? Coughing, coughing, <laughs> and then I go in, it's like bleh. It's like the worst alarm clock of all time. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. That happened, and then 24 hours later, we share the salad, Yeah, and then two hours after the salad, I had to go home. Yeah. Because I was very sick. Right. It was very dramatic. Right. Most like, importantly, it's possible that you're- your flu or whatever little bug you had, I mean, probably affected your taste buds, which is the reason that we didn't agree on the, <laughs> on the <clears throat> caliber of the salad. I love that that's the point you're trying to get <laughs> That's at. actually not the point I was trying to get uh, to. Because you, you just can't admit that we don't have the same taste in food. Well, it's yeah, that is it. I, I think my tastes are, yeah, I mean, who knows? Right. I can't admit that because I can't admit that we don't. It's more about like, is someone right? I don't know. You know, Why can't we just uh, agree to have different tastes? Yeah, you're right. So here's what I want to say about this in general mm-hmm. is that I don't regret it. Okay, <laughs> I Great. think it's it's your responsibility to tell someone when you're yes, sick uh, and sharing. especially ill. Mm-hmm. But I think that I think that a lot of people spend a lot of their lives avoiding sharing things to prevent getting sick mm-hmm. as a preme- or as a preventative thing. And I think I- I'm glad that I never do that. I will jump uh, face first into anyone's always, food. Always sharing. Always sharing. I think it makes your life better, and I think it comes out. It's a net positive. So mm-hmm. where you know I get dinged for a weekend, yep. Uh, but I'll take it. All right. So well, and I think there's a lesson for food lovers here as well, which is don't always assume that you know where you got sick. 
because you might have assumed like, oh, I ate this thing from this coffee <laughs> shop yeah. and this, oh, man, this coffee yeah. shop gave me norovirus when really it was, Your you know, my coworkers, coworker. toddler who got it from some other toddler who got it from God knows where. And restaurants get blamed all the time for this stuff. Bringing it back to me defending the salad, I very few things irritate me more than when I go to the trouble of planning a meal with other people and then, you know, we have fun. And then I hear like, oh, Dan, did you, were you feeling a little unwell after that meal? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Mm. And then you hear, you know, like, oh, well, me and my boyfriend or whatever, like we're not feeling so well. And we think it was probably, you know, tarantula restaurant or whatever. Well, I'm like, go eat it. Like, you don't, what do you mean? It wasn't. Well, if they, I'm it depends fine. on the tone. If they're just trying to investigate, they're like. It's the, never an investigation. It's always an accusation. Sick. Let's see. What nope. did we both eat? Yeah. The only time we ate the same thing was this one meal with Dan. Let's see how he's feeling. I feel like that's reasonable. That's how a. But why the, do they need to? T- oh, why do they need to talk to me about it? Because why do they need to say? Did you get to, sick? Also, they're trying to confirm. Because if what, you did, why are you detectives all of a sudden? It doesn't maybe matter they're trying where you to got be it. Epidemiologists about it. No, I they're don't. Trying to figure it out. Maybe they don't want to go back to that place. <laughs> it's a good place. It's I mean, a, as you know, my mother is an epidemiologist. I do know. So you I know. love talking about tracing things back. Tracing things. Anyway, you want to talk about some food stories? Yeah. Did you hear about Mark Bittman's Medium food site? I heard about it from a distance, but break it down. Okay, so Mark Bittman, who is a very famous food writer, he was at the New York Times. He had a column called The Minimalist. Uh, has a bunch of really best-selling cookbooks. He launched a site, a food site for Medium called Salty. Right. It's him, his daughter, uh, <laughs> former Eater editor Melissa McCart, and some other guy named Daniel Meyer. And there, a big launch. I mean, it was an announcement, yeah. and there was it was in the New York Times, and it was funny because in the New York Times, he, in a classic Bitman kind of way, talked up his new project while kind of. Just throwing shade on everybody else, mm. being like, oh, I like working with Medium because it seems like somebody's awake over there. <laughs> and like, we're actually going to write good stories. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Is Bittman, is Bittman a salty guy? He is definitely a salty guy. Wow. I would say in my it's interactions with him yeah. <laughs> and his reputation amongst other food people, he is pretty salty. So I've kind of heard that, and it's always been hilarious to me that the guy famous for simplifying recipes is a pain. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't seem to really mesh with his job. You can be salty. Oh, of course. And focus on minimalist things. I've, absolutely, yeah. Just because you have easy recipes doesn't mean you have to be easygoing. But imagine, like, the, you know, like a famous toy designer was just, like, a really annoying, awful person. It's just like... <laughs> okay. Go on. So... He launched this thing, kind of like was throwing some shade at people. Saying that uh, this is going to be a new big it's thing. It's funny yeah. in general because Medium, this is like their 12th iteration of trying to work with publishers. And um, so many people in the writing world, especially the freelance community, mm-hmm. uh, just hates Medium <laughs> because they've launched and then shut down so many publications. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of anger there. And then quickly, where the- Quickly, we should say that Medium, if you don't know, is oh, yes. like a, is a kind of an open. Anyone can post. It's a little bit like Tumblr. Yeah. You can build out. You'll hear people say like, oh, maybe I'll just do a medium post when a famous person wants to write a certain thing about someone else. Like, E.g. Jeff Bezos writing about um, being extorted for his dick pics. (laughs) Uh, Evan Williams, the founder of Twitter, is also the founder of Medium. And yeah, has had a very long journey of trying to make it work. So that was already, you know, interesting story. What made it more interesting <laughs> is that the day that it launched, uh, a very small 
magazine called Salty. Hmm. Familiar name. Yeah. Uh, got out there saying, how dare you? How dare how you? How dare you? It is a feminist feminist magazine. I think so, yeah. Um, and it's not a food magazine. It's about, you know, all kinds of stories. And they were kind of calling out Mark. They were calling out Evan for <laughs> taking their name. And also the logo is strikingly similar. Yeah. Salty is described as a magazine, everything about feminist sex, dating, and relationships for women, trans, and non-binary people. Yeah. Not the kind of magazine you want to look like you are... Stealing from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, within a day, uh, apologized. But I would say, not to be nitpicky, but it's not like they apologized publicly in a major way. Like the magazine, quote unquote magazine, was announced in a major way, but the apology came in replies on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Meaning the whole feeds of Ev and Mark don't see it unless they're within the tweet, you know? So mm -hmm. I feel like they could have done a better job being like, oops, mea culpa, we're gonna come up with a new name. In the meantime, it's just called Bitman. <laughs> Do you think Which, that's like? A, couldn't you just call it medium food or something generic? Like, do you, it's just called Bitman. Is that a working title, or you think that that's what they've fallen? I mean, on? maybe we should call him, but maybe he'll just be like, "Well, this one works." <laughs> Let's just call it Bitman. I'm sure they will come up with a new. I just searched "salty magazine," and it is by far it's, it's the first six results are. But do you think it was like two weeks ago? Oh, you think this has been very good for their press? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Either way, they should have been able... Did you enjoy this news cycle? They should have looked it up. I mean, I did for reasons <laughs> that make me ashamed of myself. But I will say, we've been throwing some snark here. The articles that they publish are really good. Salty? Yeah. The original or the new one? The for new Bitman. Bitman, formerly. Bitman, formerly known as Salty. Oh, good stuff? Yeah, there's some good stuff on there. So I look forward to... Well, I don't to... think anyone's knocking Mark Bitman as a culinary talent. Not in this news cycle. No, they are not. Vertically sliced bagels. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's tough to tell us uh, tell everybody what happened. Was St. Louis style? St. Louis style. Basically someone put up a picture on Twitter and said that I mean you might correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't pay any attention to this. All right, I will. But uh someone sliced a bagel vertically like slices of an onion or a tomato and made like bagel chips mm -hmm. out of a bagel and called it St. Louis style. Mm -hmm. Is that St. Louis style? Yeah, like, yeah, it is. Yeah, they serve it like that. They though. actually do. It's a real thing. And Twitter went nuts. Everyone Twitter thought loved it, it. Thought it was crazy. Biggest was story on the internet for a day. Yeah, I and not even just in the food bubble, which is out. always your suspicion. It was. I'm always like, wide, I think you may be living in the food bubble here. Yeah, widespread. I love that I know about this. I love stories where people look at it and it, they're either like, "Cool," or they're like, "No fucking way." Right. How dare this happen? Right. I love it. It's just like so visceral. This this was a how dare this happen, right? Well, people. some people were like, that look, that's cool. More surface area for Schmear. I or agree. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it compromises the integrity of a bagel. I think that, that's first why of all. This, that's why. That's well, what do you think? Story. Go you first. I think it's ridiculous. I think the whole <laughs> point of the bagel is to have the big bready part and then you have your topping on top. Splitting it down the middle is like, what's the point? Why are you even doing that? Oh, because just bagels get, have the best texture of any bread. Just chips. Just get something else. Bagels have the best texture. Yeah, if you, you have need, a really good bagel. I think the ratio of original bagel is perfect. So what was it? I mean, we've never talked about this, but what when people started like the Miami style of scooping their bagels, like at delis and stuff. Yeah, I think like, that that's also bad. Okay, but the bagel skin is the best part of the bagel. 
Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> no, mean, I, here's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Everybody do what you want to do. I do not want to eat the bagel in that way. Yeah. Everybody do what you want to do. Uh, I think. But it's just funny, the visceral reaction. So the only like, ooh, I'm Canadian, our food's better thing I ever get into is I think it's crazy that you guys are all defending your bagels when Montreal-style bagels are so much better than the bagels here. Everyone has their bagel preferences. Nothing is even close. So, like, you guys can all argue about it. It's a very Canadian thing to say, though. Have I ever done this before? No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only thing that I am am certain. Patriotic about? I don't think national pride weighs into this. If Montreal was Texas or Alaska or, you know, or... Do you think Canadian bagels are objectively better? Montreal, a good Montreal style bagel is objectively one to two points better than any of the than the best bagels I've had in in New York City. I don't think they're objectively better than New York bagels. I think it's different animal, different kind of thing. I mean, it's fine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you think it's fine. I think that's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's the only thing that I disagree with you about. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. Yeah. It's not true. (laughs) One funny thing about the internet response was everyone dunking on it by tweeting a picture of something completely absurd and then calling it the St. Louis style. Yeah. So like peanut butter and jelly sandwich where it's like inside (laughs) out and you're holding it by the peanut butter side. Yeah. Anything done, anything sliced in a silly way was just... Not just sliced, just... Consumed yeah, yeah, yeah. in wild, wild, stupid, stupid ways. I also like that people will go to such great lengths to make things just for Twitter. Yeah, and the con- the captions are always like, uh, "I can't believe I did this for the content." <laughs> like everyone feels kind of bad that they're selling out just to do a ridiculous mm-hmm. version of these, but uh, they do it anyway. The one upside of Twitter, <laughs> it's a cesspool, but sometimes there are some good jokes and photoshops. Okay, Daniel, go ahead. Can you explain to our listeners how Mitt Romney blows out the candles on his birthday cake? A bunch of Mitt Romney staffers gathered in a room, bought him a birthday cake, saying no, happy no, birthday. No, no, no. They didn't buy him a birthday cake. They made a cake out of Twinkies, his oh. favorite treat. Sorry. What a crucial detail. I forgot. I mean, it is. It is. Uh, Twinkie cake. Twinkie cake. Covered in candles. Covered in candles. So he goes, oh, what a surprise. And then proceeds to individually pick off each candle, blowing it out, and then putting it one in, his, by one. in his other hand where he had all the blown one out candles. One. <laughs> yeah, one by one. I love like this story so much. Like a strange candle blowing robot. Like an alien. Yeah. He's like, how will I tackle all these flames one at a time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. The thing it is- It doesn't make sense. No, if you, I, well, we obviously, Vince Dixon for us wrote a piece justifying the behavior. Uh, the, it makes sense yes. from a cleanliness perspective. If you are a hypochondriac. What is the goal when you're blowing out candles? The, the the unspoken rule of candle blowing out is that you want to get all of them down in one, and that's the only reason you get your wish. It's the only way you get yeah, your wish. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, it's unfair to people with not with with lower than average lung capacity, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, I don't have great lung capacity. I mean, we don't make the rules here. No. So what did, why do you love this so much? Just because it's like I think the well most... I think there's like there's a visual gag that we obviously can't explain. Oh, we did a but, good job. But yeah, yeah. But just playing the video, knowing that something weird was going to happen, but not knowing what it was going to be, <laughs> like it just took a really long time. Like it took two minutes before he got to the candle blowing out, and the whole time I was just like, "What is he going to do?" Yeah, that's so weird. And I did not think one by one. Did <laughs> you? Uh... Just so weird. So do you think he knew putting it up that it was weird? No. 
You think he did? <laughs> no, because it would make him look so weird. I bet one of his staffers was like, hey, Mitt. <laughs> can we post this? You look kind of cool. weird doing this. Just FYI. <laughs> you know, I don't know how they do it at the Cambridge Club, but like people I was thinking, blow out candles all at once. <laughs> maybe some person knew, was like doing it as a prank. Like, oh, Mitt. This is cool. We should share this with your fans. <laughs> like this, let's let's share this cool video. Do you, does any part of you think that it was totally like totally contrived? It just makes him look so unrelatable that I can't <laughs> imagine the upside of that. Like someone trying to prove a point about virality on the internet or something. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. There's no reason. He looks he looks weird. Yeah. Anyway, uh, look it up. Watch it. It's fun. Amanda Clute, what do we have next? Daniel Janine, it is baseball season. It sure is. Best time of year. So yeah. Daniel is not so into it, but no, it's I, just, it's I all am. Good. Everything's everything's good and fine. Okay. Go uh, on. Then. All right. Uh, so <laughs> we are bringing on Sonia, our director of editorial strategy, who is also our baseball food correspondent. Director of baseball. Director of baseball content. Yeah. For Eater. Welcome. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here once again. It's another year, and again, we can look in to see what the stadiums of America are doing to separate themselves and, and, and create culinary environments uh, to draw fans into and uh, sell, some, sell some food. Yeah, what do we got? Okay, so... Last season, we kind of saw this trend moving towards more local food. So more things coming in from local restaurants that really tied back into the cities, which was a change from years past where stadiums were really focused on the most over-the-top, like wild, kind of fantasy, weird, wacky baseball food. So lots of footlong hot dogs full of things, lots of like really huge burgers, lots of funnel cakes, all kinds of nonsense, absurd, like, monstrosities that you wouldn't necessarily want to eat, but that look really cool on mm -hmm. Instagram. Right, right. The things that people would tweet about, Instagram, maybe write write about. Yeah, so we're still going to write about baseball food mm -hmm. <laughs> this year and every year, but I think we're moving away from those wild, weird things. There are still some of them. There's a fried PB&J at Globe Life Park, which is the Texas Rangers mm. stadium. There's also a two-pound chicken tender that's deep-fried and served with ranch sauce over waffle fries in the same stadium. Uh, it's called a foul pole. That's F-O-W-L pole. Um, there's all kinds of things like that. There's a four cheeseburger patty uh, and a footlong hot dog on top of Texas toast. Both of those things on top of Texas toast in Atlanta at SunTrust Park. Well, speaking of Seattle, I think something that's really cool is they have a Din Tai Fung in the stadium for the first time this year. Ooh. That's really cool. Explain what Din Tai Fung is. It is a dim sum paradise. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it, there, it has locations all over the country and all over the world, and it's something that we hope to see in New York soon, but right now you can get it in the Seattle Mariners Stadium, T-Mobile Park. So we're not totally past the time of the uh, jumbo Instagram arms race food, but we are we're drifting away. We're drifting away. There's still some stuff that kind of like falls in the middle. So in Detroit, there's a Coney dog egg roll, which is an egg roll which is stuck stuffed with those iconic Detroit Coney dogs. Mm -hmm. um, so there's still some stuff like that that kind of like is a little bit weird and a little bit different, but also ties into local. But there's more and more stuff that really ties into the community. So like chicken and waffles in the South, but presented in a way that feels really Instagram-y. Uh, for the first time in Philadelphia, I think for the first time ever, there's Indian food in the stadium Ooh. this year. Dandori chicken wings, which is like a yogurt marinated chicken with a Kashmiri chili pepper. Cool. Very exciting for me personally. 
Um, also exciting, there's a lot more vegan stuff this year. So Questlove, um, Questlove has a vegan cheesesteak in the Philadelphia huh. Stadium, Citizen Spank Park. There's also like Beyond Meat vegan street tacos in some places. There's a curry cauliflower wrap. There's Bear Burger at the Yankee Stadium. Um, there's all kinds of vegan stuff. Finally, for the first time, it will be easy for people. As to a eat. vegetarian sports fan, what is it like to go to stadiums? Sometimes it's really pathetic and sad. Yeah. <laughs> you just end up eating like fries or nachos out of a baseball hat, which actually isn't that bad of an experience. A lot of soft serve. Um, I've always really liked the Dodgers stadium because their iconic thing is called a Dodgers dog and they make a vegetarian version of it. So I always feel special when I go to that stadium, which is just beautiful in general. Um, But yeah, I think more and more vegan stuff. And it's really awesome to see these big companies like Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger kind of making things more accessible for their fans. Love it. Yeah. Go baseball. Go baseball. Love baseball. <laughs> go when when are you going to go see some baseball, Sonia? Well, I hope to go soon. It's still a little bit cold here in New York, but I have a couple mm. trips planned to Atlanta, so hopefully I can get to some games there soon. All right, next up, I do not believe it has been released yet, but to promote their new smart fridge with internal cameras, Samsung has released a brand new dating – again, I don't know if it's released yet – a dating app called Refriger Dating. Um, mm-hmm. it's, this is basic, it's like Tinder, you swipe left and right, you say yes or no to people based solely on the contents of their fridge. Wow. Really? Really. Yeah. So it, it's not out yet, but it's definitely, I think, you know. But it's like a marketing gimmick. No one's going to actually use it, right? I don't know. Okay. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, what? Somebody thought this up in a conference room, and they're like, "Sure, let's throw some money at that and make that a thing, and whatever." Well, we can we can glaze over. Maybe that. some podcast will talk about it. Well, then they're winning. <laughs> we can glaze over that for a second. I'm curious. Uh, do you do you judge people by what's in their refrigerator? Like, would if you were on a dating app, mm-hmm. uh, would you be curious to see a picture of somebody's refrigerator? I think I wouldn't think of it. But yes, to your I, first question. Yeah. What do you think about when you when you go over to people's houses and you see the contents of their fridges, does it add to your overall outlook of who they are as a person? Or is it compartmentalized into just, okay, this is what that this person has in their fridge? No, no, it totally plays into Really? My, yeah, yeah. But mo in in interesting ways in that like I have one friend who's just a complete mess. <laughs> yeah. And if you look, her freezer is like a goddamn nightmare like it's so scary and her fridge is just like bursting yeah. with shit everywhere yeah. and so like if I saw that on the dating app I'd be like oh no <laughs> and I think it does like kind of go with her personality of being kind of a mess yeah would you want something that was extremely clean like um, what kind of food products would you want in there what kind of fridge person do you think I don't I know, am but I wish like if someone if I were to be on this dating app, I would make my fridge look so nice and clean. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing that this makes me think of is like I also hadn't thought about it, right? But I would love to see a picture of people's fridges. Yeah. A, it yeah. would give me so much to talk about, especially mm-hmm. with my uh, area areas of expertise, food, products. Or obsession, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and B, I feel like it would – rule a lot of people out or make me look twice at a lot of people that I wouldn't have originally. Yeah, like what if it's just a fridge of Soylent? Yeah, I don't think I could do that. Like what's what's in your fridge? What do you got going on in there? So I'm, I'm a bad example because uh, I'm a somewhat trained cook mm-hmm. and I cook at home zero. 
Uh-huh. I eat out every meal. Oh, it's so like a psychopath fridge. Psychopath fridge. It's like fridge. empty. No, yeah, with really good condiments. Mm-hmm. Tons of hot sauces, lots of anchovies, expensive canned tunas, mm-hmm. different tinned fishes. You need to put those in the fridge? Different tinned fish. If you open them, you're supposed oh. to put them in the oh, fridge. Right, right. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll have like a, a leek like or like a, a fennel, like one mm-hmm. unit mm-hmm. of fennel, mm-hmm. because I'll have made something like three weeks ago. Yep. Um, we don't need to go through the whole thing. <laughs> How much more you want me to keep keep spewing? This is one of my favorite moments of our thing together because I usually am like, "Is this interesting? Am I being funny?" And then I'll get into a list where I'll just be listing something, and then I'll forget to try to to remember to be engaging. It's and like just you're still talking with the list. So this is one of those. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, cool. This I, actually reminds me of a column, the most boring thing you've ever okay. been involved with. <laughs> this reminds me of this boring person I met today. No. <laughs> Of a column Gabrielle Hamilton wrote last week <laughs> mm-hmm. about how there's this cliche that all chefs have empty fridges because they they are always at work and cooking at work and they never cook at home. And yeah. it's like, dude, what if you have two kids to feed? You have a fridge full of food. <laughs> Crazy. Like yeah. it's this assumption that all chefs are like these bachelor workaholic dudes. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, no, no. Chefs often have food in their fridges and families <laughs> that eat out of the fridge and all that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I also have these Serrano peppers that I pickled. Oh. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That I pickle. I, yeah. I, you know, I often walk through the farmer's market and I pick up one. I'm just, okay, I'll <laughs> drop it. But anyway, I, I am, I'm super, I'm super curious. I, I love the idea. I think, uh, good for them. I hope they make it. If they make refrigerating, I'll, I'll try it. Yeah. You Are you going to get a bread and put some charcoal in there? I don't know how. how like that's another question: Is how true do I want to signal my real interests? I guess as true as possible. Yeah. Now you have to think about what your fridge says about you and and cultivate that. All right, Amanda. Up next, very important story to me. Monica Burton is here. Hey, Monica. Hi. Our rest, one of our restaurant editors. Tell us about tinned fish. Tinned fish, big new trend. Tinned. Uh, tinned side. Yeah. Side note: on. One of Dan's favorite foods. I love tinned fish a lot. I love seafood in. Tins, which is tin, tin fish, but That's like what it is. Yep, keep saying it. <laughs> yeah, I will. Fish uh, in a can. It used to be with tinned fish that uh, people would go to like people in the know would go to like Portugal or Spain and then bring, bring back, back some tinned yeah. fish because that's mm-hmm. the only place where people would eat it and it was like uh, I don't know an Epicurean interest. Mm-hmm. And here it's always been I don't know kind of lowbrow. Yeah. is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I you know I still I still liked it. Sure, sure, sure. But you were into it. You were ahead of the curve. But you know the regular Joe was not <laughs> unless they went to Lisbon. But back. now it's hot. Is yeah. it hot? And it you is. wrote a story it's declaring it's heat. <laughs> <laughs> I did. What's going it's in on? All the restaurants. Yeah. Um, well, like you said, I think it used to be that people would go to Portugal and bring it back or import tin fish from Spain. Um, and so Spanish restaurants, Portuguese restaurants, they've had tin fish on the menu. But now we're seeing restaurants importing tin fish, but also making their own tin fish. Whoa. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there's a new restaurant in Seattle that hasn't opened yet. But their thing is they import some of it, but they also have a lot of house-made conservas. There's no reason to make your own tin fish, though. That seems silly, right? Um, I mean, is there a reason for a restaurant to make any of the things they serve? No, no, no. But (laughs) but they could make smoked fish and then just serve it. There's no real reason to put it in a tin. Well, putting it in a tin. That's a preservation method. Yeah, yeah. It's a preservation method. But I think the 
by virtue of doing that, it gives the fish a different flavor. Oh, okay. Um, so they can marinate it in like different things. Right, and keep it at room temperature. So have you noticed that people are, when they bring in tinned fish from Portugal, Spain, whatever, cool restaurants, are they opening the tins and then serving the thing, or are they serving the actual tin? I think you see it both ways. I think the fun part of this is serving it in the tin. Yeah, um, yeah it and is. And making Americans get more comfortable with that, because I mm-hmm. think restaurants for a long time have done it without... It's a great form of edification, yes. <laughs> sure. Why would I buy it out at a restaurant if they're just going to open question. a tin for me? Like, what are these restaurateurs saying? There are most of the, not most, but but like over the past year, it's like a lot of wine bars that have mm. been serving tinned fish, and so it goes with the wine, mm-hmm. right? Um, I guess also if you are a restaurant, it's an economical way to like have food. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if you're a wine bar. Mm-hmm. Um, why not just open up a can right. of fish with your glass of natural wine? Also, there's so many varieties of tinned fish. Like, they probably have access that I don't have access. Have you seen this being done outside of Spanish and Portuguese restaurants? Ink in Atlanta is a Japanese-style konsume bar. Um, so all they do is can jarred, tinned, preserved foods, mm-hmm. um, fish included. Um, but that is inspired by Japan and not Spain or Portugal. What is your favorite tinned fish? Um, I like mussels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Dan? Anything, anything with like a, um, a collagen-y or, or kind chew. of like a muscular chew. Anything that's going to snap in my mouth, I'm super into. Mm-hmm. I used to be totally grossed out by seafood, but now I would like put a sardine in my mouth and like slurp it in and out. And, and like, well. So anyone can grow. Yeah, well, and it seems True. to be a growing trend, so mm-hmm. more people are going to be like you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right, here's a good one, Amanda. Which, see, Cynical Dan would say which matters less, but I'm going to say which matters more. Okay. Burger King is flipping impossible burgers as Whoppers, doing mm-hmm. an impossible Whopper. Impossible Whopper. Or Starbucks is launching a 31-ounce cup for coffee called the Trenta, which is six ounces bigger which matters more in terms in of... In your opinion. The Whopper. Huh. I, uh, go ahead. Sell it to me. Sell, sell you on why it matters more? Oh, I don't care uh, if <laughs> Starbucks has a new size of cup. <laughs> I do care about what happens with the Impossible Burger and yeah. its trajectory in our society. And its deal with Burger King is the biggest one to date, and it's a giant chain. And they're testing it in, like, I don't know, St. Louis? Is that where they're testing it? <laughs> Maybe. I love Impossible Burgers. Um, and planning to expand it everywhere. And I know this was like a marketing guy talking to the New York Times, but he was saying that the people at Burger King like could not tell the difference. So that could have a huge impact on society. On sustainable meat. Yeah. On, yeah. on agriculture. It could actually be a very good thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Now I what, feel like an Sell ass. me on Starbucks. I think it kind of, uh, I think the, you're going to hate this, but I think that the days of Starbucks maintaining any kind of air of sophistication are behind us. This is the biggest, this is like a big gulp size of Starbucks coffee. Did that not happen with like the unicorn frappuccinos (laughs) and all that? They've they've always been, high low is their game. So much. Yeah, but this is, this is lower than the lows. Mm-hmm. So it's, you, have you seen some of these frappuccinos <laughs> with the colors? 
And then they have like a Halloween one and like a, I don't know. I guess here's what I would say. To me, if you have, we've, we get in arguments about this a lot, but if you have like the trendiest, most hipster coffee up in, on one side and you have, let's say, Dunkin' Donuts being um, of chains, the low end of coffee, I would have always said that Starbucks was like in the middle or maybe even closer to the high end. But now I feel like it's more, it's closer to Dunkin' Donuts. Like to me now in my head, Starbucks and Dunkin' because are not that far apart. I just think this is the nail. Because of the giant cup of coffee. <laughs> this, this is what pushed them over for okay. me. They were teetering. I would say a lot of people have always thought of them, Starbucks and Dunkin' is like the same level of. For sure. In the sophistication. I think. Uh, spectrum. They've thought of them on the same level of the sophistication spectrum. I think a lot of people think of them that way, yes. That, like, Starbucks is the slightly Starbucks. more <laughs> sophisticated Dunkin'. Yeah. Like, that's what I always think when we go home to my parents' house. Like, oh, I guess our only choices are Starbucks or Dunkin'. Mm -hmm. Like, those are the that's what's available. And then you're like, put on your tux, we're going to Starbucks. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, I mean, I accept that. I don't know. I accept that totally. I want to tell you the story of Barcade. And oh, all their right. lawsuits. Okay. Yep. So Barcade is a bar in New York. I believe there's some outside of New York as well. Mm -hmm. Started uh, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And it is a bar and an old school arcade combined. It's a bar with a bunch of vintage pinball machines, basically. Pinball machines, but like Street Fighter, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of grungy, yeah. you know. Uh, anyway. I just want to say, for context, Yo, yeah. that I... I mean, I know this bar. I've been going to it for like 15 years. You go? Yeah. So there was a story that came out this month. Brenna on our team wrote a story that said Barcade has been going after vigilantly and religiously going after anyone that uses the name Barcade anywhere else that is not them. Mm -hmm. And you know how she found out about this? How did she find out about it? Because they email our reporters every single time. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's what happened do they say? to. Like five, at least five of our reporters, they say, hey, you can't use the name Barcade to describe this bar that's opening in your city. <laughs> so if a bar with like pinball machines or whatever opens in San Francisco and the owners of that place call themselves Barcade, our journalists might say, oh, this Barcade is opening in San Francisco. And the owners of Barcade TM email and say, uh, no, you cannot do that. And it happened to enough people that we realized that like, oh, that's a story. There's a fun a fun trajectory of this story for mm -hmm. me. I started reading it and I was like, oh man, they're so annoying. Get over it. Especially when uh, co-founder and CEO Paul Kermizian, Kermizian or something, uh, his quote was, it's just, it's one of the greatest things I've thought of. Like just that alone. <laughs> I mean, it's a very basic portmanteau. I get it though. <laughs> No, but I just think I'm I'm very of the mindset. Maybe like, he was I, I'm not to a protectionist. Funny. I think you come up with things and then you come up with another thing. Right. But he said it's one of the Maybe greatest, greatest things I've thought to of. Be like self-effacing. It's one of the greatest things I've thought of, and also just one of the biggest headaches I've ever gotten myself into. So I'm like, all right, this guy's annoying. Just let other people call themselves Barcade. It's not even like people that call themselves Barcade flat. It's like um, Queens Deli and Barcade. Right. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. Goes after all of them. Here's what this gets interesting to me, though. He says that it is actually important for him to do it because in order to keep enforcing his trademark, in order to keep proving to the government 
that he has this trademark, he has to show that no one else is using it. And it's up to him to enforce the trademark to prevent it from being genericized. Yeah. Yeah. If he wants to keep the trademark, he has to enforce it. And it's got to be him because no one else is going to do it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's the bad guy anymore. Well, you he's could. He's still annoying. You could argue that, like, why does he need the trademark of this name? Like, maybe it should be a generic name. That yeah. is what you could say. Wow. I'm with him, though. Yeah. I it's, think why not? He came up I mean, with this name. I mean, he came name. up with it and he put, no, I agree. He, this bar concept, mm -hmm. while you could say anyone could come up with that idea, it wasn't really, that wasn't happening everywhere <laughs> in the same way. It's like a bar for grownups. Right. Like you ha It's not for kids at all. It's not for teenagers. It's just for like, you know, people over the age of 21 and there's some arcade games and it did so well that he expanded it and now all of a sudden it's this huge thing because everyone's into gaming and they're nostalgic for video games of their youth because they're like 35 now. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know why it's such a big thing, but he, it is. He should make a game that you can play there where you fight uh, trademark infringements. I mean, he's not a video game maker. <laughs> okay. I think he's not just an obvious supervillain. No. I don't you think could he... see how he fell into this. I think if he looked back... He might have done something made a else. different decision in terms of trademarking the thing, but he feels like now that he's in it. What else could it, he do if he wanted to start Barcade? Well, yeah. I mean, he could be like, maybe I'm not going to trademark this and let just let other people use the name, I guess. But that seems irresponsible as a business person. Yeah, yeah. He's not the villain. Yeah. I feel for him. It's a pain. He doesn't know what to do now. Yeah. I, if I Listen, if I was CEO Paul Kurzman, Kermizan, Kermizian, I think I'd get out. I think I, You'd I, just I, sell it? I'd get out and I would uh, just... Buy a new notebook, put some masking tape on it, get a Sharpie, write new portmanteaus on the, the, mm -hmm. the cover, and then just brain dump. I bet you thought of some portmanteaus. I love portmanteaus. G give us some. For a <laughs> for what? <laughs> for his next business. Give me some. Give me. Give me. Give me a couple business. A couple right. businesses. It starts with bar. <laughs> like he what, wants to open okay. a bar. What about a, a bar? Um, a bar. Uh, under a tent on a beach called Bar Shade. There we go. Okay. What about a bar where you you go and it's like a, a meetup place for people who want to do uh, good in the world, and it's called Bar Mitzvah? <laughs> That's good, too. Um, I guess. I don't know if you could have a restaurant called Bar Mitzvah or bar. Could you? <laughs> a bar called Bar Mitzvah? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All I, right. Anyway, this is a fun wait. exercise. <laughs> All right, that is March in food stories. Uh, yeah. What a um, what a month. What a whoa. <laughs> I was gonna be like, what a fun episode. I, I, was like, <laughs> I mean, it's fun, but it's just not a thing I would say. Uh, so you're gonna cut that out? Or you gonna leave it in? I'll leave it in. Okay. Now, I feel like the end is my opportunity to, to have just like let it go live to if tape. You made it this far. Yeah. If you really want to hear what true unfiltered Dan, we sound like the funny thing is like I edit so much out of myself. Very little of you. You just leave all, flaws and all. No, I just don't think you have. I don't think you. Uh, you, you don't have as many flaws. You don't. You, you saw the email this week. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, the so email, that was ironic because I was just interrupting you. Somebody got mad at 
Can I just tell you, I, I don't want to say that made me happy at all. I knew it made you happy. It as soon as I read the email, I was like, Darren is enjoying this. No, it didn't make me happy. But uh, we got an email complaining that Amanda was cutting guests off. Finishing their sentences. Finishing their sentences, <laughs> which is something I feel self-conscious about because I feel like it's something I've tried to iron out of my system. I hate when I hear people doing it. I never noticed you doing it. I probably do. I probably noticed myself doing it. Okay. So I was just like, to notice you doing it and not me means I'm the very least doing it less than someone else, which I never would have believed. Or sexism. <laughs> yeah, definitely sexism. It it's definitely not that you're is. doing it less. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. It might be, it might be. Who knows? This guy is probably well, I mean, attention. Who knows? People who like to email in and complain about something very specific like that, it's just like, don't listen. You know, like, what, what do you really want? He wanted you to feel shitty, and he doesn't care about improving the show. It's, especially when it's things like that, I feel like it is like, lady, little yeah. lady, little don't, lady, look how you're behaving. Don't behave that way. <laughs> Your voice is strange. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Not great, to cut you off, but great anyway. Show. Great show. Great show. Uh, thanks so much for listening. If you like this, please send it to a friend, someone else who would appreciate it, and uh, give us uh, some some stars on iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use and make sure to subscribe and uh, uh, and and you know at some point we'll come up with a, a tagline or something that we're gonna say Ooh. yeah remember Ooh. I don't know if this stayed in but one time I was like you know go enjoy some food or something and you just cracked up and you're like what a dumb tag <laughs> go enjoy some food well it, <laughs> it strikes again I love it <laughs> cool uh, any email at anything at upsell at eater.com thank you so much Good night.